Well, praise the Lord. It is time for the word of God as we continue our series of messages on the sovereign savior and sacred scripture. And today we're going to come from the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 10. And we're going to be at verse 17, Mark chapter 10, verse 17. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Let's go ahead and ask God's favor upon our time in his word today. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts let them be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you are our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Listen to what God's word says. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Today, I want to talk about sold out, sold out. Here in Mark chapter 10, Jesus was in Capernaum. He was ministering. And after he embraced these children and blessed these children, uh, now Jesus is moving from Capernaum and he's making his way to Jerusalem to go and do more ministry. Well, when that happens, this wealthy man, Mark says, but Matthew also writes on this. And Matthew said, not only was he a wealthy man, he was a young man. And this wealthy young man rushes up to Jesus. He runs up to Jesus and he had a question for Jesus. And it's this question that I want to focus in on today. He asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Because even though he is young and even though he is wealthy, even though he has all of these possessions, he still realizes there's something that is missing in my life. I don't have eternal life. He has everything that the world has told him that he needs for status, that he needs for success, and he needs for satisfaction, but he's not satisfied. Because he says, you know what? There's still something missing in my life. I don't have eternal life. And that's why he went to Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And uh, you know Jesus uh, in the Gospel of Luke, he says that life doesn't consist of the abundance of the things that people possess. Life is more than that. Some of us are going to spend all of our years trying to climb the ladder of success and we're going to get to the end of that experience and realize that the ladder has been leaning on the wrong building. Y'all, if you want true life, it is not in cars and houses and clothes and watches and jewelry. No, you, 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 true life is not found in those things. And that's what this young man had to learn. He's young and he's wealthy. He has a lot of stuff, but he didn't have real life. I can't help but think that that morning when he woke up, he had already made up in his mind, he's going to find this man named Jesus. He, I want to find out about life. And, and who better to find out about life 
than the resurrection and the life. Who better to go to to find out about life uh, than the living water, than the bread of life, than the way, the truth, and the life? Uh, some of us, we try to find out. <laughs> we'll, we'll go to people who are non-believers and talk to them about what it means to have faith. We go to non-Christians to find out what it means to have Christianity. No, this man says, if I'm going to find out about salvation, I want to go to the one who's the source of salvation. And the one who's the source of salvation took the man to the scripture to help him to understand what salvation, our sovereign savior went to the scripture to help this young man to find out about salvation, find out about eternal life, find out about everlasting life. Can you imagine? He just wakes up that morning. His mind is made up and he wakes up in this uh, 12,000 square foot split home out in the suburbs of Jerusalem. And he walks into his walk-in closet and it's filled with all of these clothes and all of these shoes. And he puts on a tailor-made suit and of course the shoes to match. And then uh, he grabs his uh, presidential uh, platinum Rolex watch. And then he jumps into his uh, Bugatti chariot. And now he's driving, trying to find where Jesus is, discovers Jesus is in Jerusalem. So he comes from the suburbs, gets into Jerusalem. And now Jesus is making his way uh, and, and, and he runs out and he runs up on Jesus. And as he runs up on Jesus, here's the question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus goes to the scripture, talks to this young man. And unfortunately, the young man will turn his back on Jesus and walk away. But before we get to that, there's a lot of good things about this young man. And I want to highlight those. There's, there's some good stuff about this young man that, that was concerned about his life and his eternal life and his salvation and his relationship with God. And he goes to Jesus to figure, and he goes to Jesus out of ur with an urgency about that salvation because it says he's a young man. He didn't wait till he was 100 years old and try to get his life right with Jesus. He goes when he's young, when he still has vim and vigor and vitality. He didn't wait till he was 100 years old and then crawl his way into Jesus. He says, no, there's an urgency about me getting this thing right with God. And not only an urgency, it said that he ran to Jesus. Now, you can't get no more urgent than running to him. Some of us, we understand the importance of giving our life to Christ so we can get to God. It's just that we keep putting God off and we put God off for tomorrow, what we ought to be doing with the Lord right now. And the decision that you make right now will determine your not yet. There's an urgency about salvation. There's an urgency about everlasting life. There is an urgency about eternal life. You need to get it right with God right now. The poet said, I have only just a minute, only 60 seconds in it, forced upon me, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it, give account if I abuse it. Yes, only just a minute but eternity is in it. And what we do with this minute, what we do with this right now with God about our eternal life, about our salvation, has everything to do with our destiny and what's going to happen as we move forward. There's an urgency, you all. Stop putting God off. Get this thing right with God right now. Jesus met with an older man. He met, this was a young man, but he met with an older man named Nicodemus in John chapter three. And in John 3, the apostle John says, 
that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And there are those who say, well, he came to Jesus by night because he was on the Sanhedrin council and he didn't want to lose that job messing around with Jesus. Or he came to Jesus by night so he could hide in the cloak of darkness so his family and friends wouldn't know he was meeting with Jesus. And he could, that could be true because there are some of us who are ashamed of what we have with Jesus. But I rethought that. Maybe Nicodemus came to Jesus by night not to hide, but because he realized this is something that can't wait till morning. There's an urgency about getting this thing right with Jesus. So there he is. He's in the bed that evening. He says, I'm going to go find Jesus in the morning. Then he thought a little bit more and said, no, this can't wait till morning. This is something I got to do right now. And out of that urgency, he came to Jesus that night to get it right. That's my word to somebody today. It is time for you to stop putting God off. Stop putting Jesus off. Believe Jesus died on the cross. Believe God raised him from the dead. Get this thing right now. There's an urgency about it. My friend, Pastor Maurice Watson, he pastors in Washington, D.C., a great preacher. Uh, but 25 years ago, he told me this story about Satan calling a business meeting in hell. And he says, when Satan called the business meeting in hell, all the demons were there and all the imps were there. And, and the new business for the day in the business meeting in hell is how to get humanity to turn their back on God. And so there was a demon that said, listen, Satan, I know how we can get humanity to turn their back on God. Let's just tell them there is no God. And when we tell the world there is no God, humanity will turn their back on God. And Satan said, no, that won't work because it's already in Scripture. It says that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That won't work. So another demon said, wait a minute. I know how we can get humanity to turn their back on God. Let's tell them, let's, let's just bring a bunch of problems and pains in their life. Let's bring a pandemic. Let's bring sickness. Let's bring uh, economic downturn and, and financial distress. And when we bring all that, that'll make humanity turn their back on God. And Satan said, that won't work either because I already tried that. I tried that on Job. I gave Job a pandemic. I gave him sickness. I gave him disease. I, he, I, he lost his money. His wife started acting a fool. I, I already tried that. And in all that pain, he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. All the days of my appointed time, I'm going to wait to my change. God. All that hell I brought in his life, all that pain. And he said, the Lord God gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I've already tried that. That won't work. And finally, there was one demon that said, Satan, I know how we can get humanity to turn their back on God. Let's tell them there is a God. Let's tell them they need to be saved. They need to be delivered. You need eternal life. But let's tell them to do it the next time. And Satan said, wait a minute, that sounds pretty good. Tell him you need God, you need Jesus, you need eternal life, but do it the next time. I think that's going to work. And so there was an imp that went on and offered a motion and then he got second. And then I believe that they carried that out. And that's the MO of the enemy is to try to tell you and I, you need God, you need Christ, you need the church, you need to be saved, but don't do it this time. Do it the next time. Do it next month or next year or do it after the pandemic, always putting it off. No, you, there's an urgency about this. This wealthy man came running to Jesus. He came when he was young because there's an urgency about it. Jesus told, uh, he, he told Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your house. There's an urgency about it. The Bible says that God said, the day you hear my voice, 
harden not your heart. There's an urgency about it. Joshua said, choose you this day who you're going to serve. But as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. But there's an urgency. Of, we need to get in a hurry. Y'all, don't put God off for tomorrow. Accept Jesus now. Get saved now. Get committed to the church right now. And so he's, Jesus said, the man asked, what must I do to be saved? Jesus said, well, you, you know the commandments. You read the scripture. He said, uh, well, the commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not covet. Honor your mother and father. He said, okay, keep the commandments. And I don't want y'all to be confused. I don't want you to think you can work your way to salvation. We call that legalism, where you think you can serve your way to be saved or you can work your way to salvation. There's nothing you can work and do to get saved. Well, pastor, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus said, uh, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. And he goes to the commandments and says, if you keep these commandments, yeah, but you know, that's because the man's question was off base. The man asked, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to inherit? You don't do anything to inherit. If you inherit something, it's not because you work to inherit. You inherit because you have a relationship with somebody that has something. Then they die and they leave you something. That's how you inherit. And so if you think you could do something to inherit? No. The way we inherit eternal life is we have a relationship with Jesus that's got salvation. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, and then he gave us eternal life. Y'all, we don't we don't work to get saved. We work in the kingdom because we are saved. We don't get baptized to get saved. We get baptized because we already saved. We don't serve God to get saved. We serve God because we already saved. We don't tithe and give an offering so we can get saved. We tithe and get an offering because we are saved. Y'all, the work that we do in the kingdom of God is not for eternal life. It's because we already have eternal life. What must I do? So Jesus is saying, if you're going to do something, to get eternal life, okay, keep the commandments then. And then the young man said, well, I've kept all of those since I was a child. Let me slow this down. Y'all, just because somebody says that they have done something don't mean they've done something. Uh, A. Lewis Patterson says, we're not even qualified to grade our own examination papers in, in the kingdom of God. Just because he said he kept all those commandments don't mean he kept all of those commandments. That, that, that's not what that means. Matter of fact, Jesus, Jesus says to him uh, when he mentions the commandment, you do know there are 10 commandments in the book of Exodus and Jesus only mentioned six of the 10. He didn't even mention the first four that all point to God. You should have no other Lord before you. Uh, don't make any graven image honor the, the Sabbath day and keep it holy, worship the Lord. He didn't even, Jesus didn't even mention the commandments that point up to God. He only mentioned the social commandments about relating to other people. And I think he only mentioned those because those are the ones that this young man must be struggling with. That you think you got, cause I know God, I know Jesus, I, I got the Holy Spirit, so I don't have to worry about it. No, 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 you got to do this social piece too. And those are the ones he messed up on. So I did that. I've been doing those since I was a child. Just because you say that don't mean you're doing that. We saw that a few weeks ago. This is before the, the presidential debate. Um, they, there was a, some kind of town hall meeting uh, that the, the Trump 
campaign put together. They brought in uh, some voters who had yet to decide how they, undecided voters. They didn't know if they were going to vote for Trump or for Biden. And so they met with Trump and they could ask Trump whatever question they want. So a young lady asked a question. Here's what she asked. How do you think that you have done with your leadership in regard to the coronavirus? And Trump responded by saying, I think I have done exceptionally well and I give myself an A. Never mind the fact that 25% of those that have the coronavirus globally, 25% of those are in the United States of which you the head of state of. That at the time it was almost 200,000 that died. Now it's more than 212,000 that have died from the coronavirus. And he thinks he's done exceptionally well and he gives himself and A, at the time, more than half of the states in the United States of America continue to have an increase in coronavirus. But he says, I've done exceptionally well and I give myself an A. Just because you say it doesn't mean it's so because we're not qualified to grade our own examination papers. But Jesus told the young man, if you want to inherit, do something to inherit eternal life, keep the commandments. And the young man said, Listen, I've done exceptionally well with the commandments since I was a child and I give myself an A. Jesus, listen, that you, you know that's not the case, but here's the point I want to get across to you. If you're going to get saved based on the Ten Commandments, you have to keep all the commandments. If you mess up in one commandment, then there's then you can't be saved on the command. So you're trying to work to be saved. You're trying to do something to be saved. I'm gonna live this moral life and then I'll have eternal life. I don't need the rest of that stuff. I'll just live a moral, it's not gonna happen because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, which means we all broke the commandment. Our issue is this, we look at those 10 commandments and we go, you know what? I'm doing good on eight of the 10. Okay, well you still broke two and the way to sin is death. Well, we thinking, well, I, I'm doing good on eight but my friends around me, you know, they broke seven commandments, but I, I'm keeping eight of them. You can't compare yourself to other people and think that's how you're going to get saved. We measure ourselves up against each other. <laughs> and we think that if I stand next to Jeffrey Johnson, then I'm a moral and spiritual and ethical giant. I'm not the standard of measurement. You got to stand next to Jesus. Then when you stand next to you, you may be a moral giant next to me, but you're going to come short when you stand next to Jesus. We all fall short. Y'all, if you break one of the commandments, the word of God says, if you break one commandment, you broke all the commandments. Pastor, how can that be? How can if you break one, you break all of them? Because we look at them as 10 things that we get to choose like a buffet line. No, it's, it's a whole. It's, a, it's the commandments. It's the commandments. And if you break one commandment, you broke all of them. Y'all, if you hang in from a cliff, and as you hang from that cliff, uh, you got a, a chain that has 10 links in it and you dangling for your life from the cliff and you hold on to a chain that has 10 links. How many links have to break before you fall to your destruction? One, because if you break one link, you broke the whole chain. That's how it is with the commandment. If we're trying to do something to be saved, we've already broke the commandments. We can't get there on our own. And when we compare ourselves to each other, that's not going to do it because even though you may be doing better than me, we're going to all fall short when it comes to us getting this salvation. Bob Beeman, I believe it was back in 1968, he broke the, the world record and Olympic record in the long jump, he long jumped like 29 feet, two inches. 
and that record held for almost 25 years. It went until 1991. Carl Lewis um, was in this, the World Championship event. And Carl Lewis actually jumped further than Bob Beeman, but it was win aided. He jumped further than the 29 feet to and, 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 but they couldn't give him the record because it was win aided. And then at that same event, that, that same competition, people are thinking, oh man, shoot, Carl Lewis has won this thing for 10 years at the Olympics, champ, world champion, ain't nobody gonna beat that. Then he just jumped further than, than Bob Beeman. That's when Michael Powell got up and a few minutes after Carl Lewis, and he ran and he jumped further than Bob Beeman and jumped further than Carl Lewis and ended up breaking the world record and they let him hold on to it because it was there was no wind blowing. It was not wind aided. And that record has held now for 29 years. Now here's why I brought that up. Um, Michael Powell can jump more than 29 feet, two inches. I can jump on my best day. I can jump about three feet, right? And so we're going to go down, we're going to go to Miami, and we're going to jump from Miami to Haiti. And that body of water's there, and we're going to have Mike Powell, world record holding long jump. We're going to have a contest, he and I, see who can jump from Miami. And the goal is to reach Haiti. And so we both take off running. He jumps almost 30 feet. I jump three feet. Here's my point. He lands further in the water than I do, but we both fall short. Y'all, when you and I are trying to do something to get saved, to have eternal life, no matter how good you think you are, you still fall short. We all fall short. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Keep the commandments. You can't do that. I've done it since I was a child. No, you haven't. And then Jesus said, okay, let's say you have. He said, there's something else you're missing out on. Here's what you're missing. He says that um, there's one thing you lack. Then go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and then come follow me. Don't miss the come follow me part. Jesus says, you want eternal life? It's not going to happen till you follow me. But in order for you to follow me, you got to go sell everything you got. That's what he told a wealthy young man who has all these possessions, all these chariots, all these houses, all this clothes, all this money, this financial portfolio, all these stocks and bonds and all that. He said, now go sell everything you got and then give to the poor. Come follow me. He's telling the man, if you really want eternal life, then sell out for Jesus. You got to sell out and then follow Jesus. He's telling him to put Jesus, number one in your life. If you want eternal life, you want to be saved, you want to get this thing right with God, you want your sins forgiven, you want to go to heaven. He says, you, you're not going to be able to do it with the commandments because you done already broke some of those. And you break one, you broke all. He says, but if you really want to do it, sell out for me. For this, this rich man, his issue was with material possessions. That was number one in his life. And Jesus says, no, you, you, you can't have eternal life and I'm number two. Jesus said, you got to make me number one. So sell out, get rid of all this stuff and put, boy, I wish I had hours to, to talk about this because Jesus talks about, uh, you, you, you like one thing? He mentions a bunch of verbs. He gives these action words, uh, go, sell, give, uh, come, follow. Because Jesus don't want you and I thinking that because you go sit at church for an hour and 10 minutes, 
or you go on online and you stream a ministry and put it on mute until the pastor get up and preach and you sit there for an hour and 10 minutes that now everything's fine. No, there's some action words that go with this thing. Go and sell and give and come and follow. But it's all when you put Jesus number one. He says, if you want eternal life, then sell out for me. Take all that stuff out. Put me number one in your life and follow me. Now you're going to have eternal life. And for some of us, it's not about money. For him, it, it was about he was stuff centered. Some of us are are self centered. Jesus is trying to get us to be savior centered, to be Christ centered. I don't for some of us is money. For some of us is popularity. For some of us is prestige. For some of us is people. Y'all, Jesus said, I'm not coming in second to nobody. If you're going to have eternal life, sell out for me. Put me number one. And when we do that, that's the priority. Jesus said, this is what you've been leaving out. Your priority in regard to eternal life is off, everlasting life. You got to make me number one. That's why Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added unto you. When you look at your life spiritually with this social expression, because you got to get it right with God, express that with people, then what's your priority? And Jesus said, if you really get an eternal life, I got to be your priority. You got to sell out to me and watch this dude. It says that he thought about how much money he had, how many possessions, and he became sad, turned his back on Jesus and walked away. Turned his back and walked away from Jesus because he's not willing to sell out to follow Jesus. And, and the old black preacher said, man, that's like a hungry man walking away from the bread of life. That's like a sick man walking away from the great physician. That's like a thirsty man walking away from the living water. That's like a dead man that's walking away from the resurrection and the light. He turned his back on Jesus and walked away because he wasn't willing to make Jesus number one. Y'all, there is a priority when it comes to eternal life. We don't just casually have a friendship with Jesus. We're in relationship with Jesus. He becomes number one in our lives. We sell out to him. And when that man walked away, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, it's hard for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. And his disciples said, man, if they can't, because in the first century among the Jews, they thought, that if you're rich, that's the favor of God. You, you're already right with God. How you know you're right with God? Look at how much money they got. They rich. Jesus says, that's not, life does not consist of the abundance that a man possesses. That's not what real life is all about. Jesus says, as a matter of fact, it's harder. It's hard for a rich man to get into the kingdom. And the disciple says, well, if they can't get in, who can get in? Who can be saved? Jesus said, with people. With men and women, it's impossible to be saved. But with God, all things are possible. Y'all, no matter what we try to do, no matter how we try to live, no matter what we try to accomplish to get saved, it is impossible with men and women. 
but with God, all things. Jesus, God made salvation possible by having Jesus die on the cross and God raised him from the dead. Now it's possible to be saved. Jesus did not save everybody by dying, but he did die to save everybody. And now it's possible, no matter what you've done, where you've been, the mistakes you've made, how much sin you've committed, a felony in your background, what you snorted, what you drank, who you slept with. I'm telling you, salvation is possible with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. And it's time for us to sell out, put Jesus number one in our lives and follow after Jesus. When he said that to the disciples and they saw that rich man walking away, Peter said, uh, Jesus, me and the other disciples, we left everything to follow. We ain't like him. We didn't think money is more important than you. We didn't think possession more. We left everything. We left our, our boating business. Me and James and John, we own that company. We left that for you. Matthew left that. He left that position with the IRS, with the Internal Revenue Service in, in Israel. He left that to follow. We all, we left everything to come after you. Here's what Peter was saying. What do we get out of it? That man walked away from you. We sold out for you. We left everything. We sold out. He was really saying, what do we get out of it? And Jesus didn't rebuke him. Jesus said to him, and he's still in Mark 10, he said, anybody that sells out for me, Jesus said, anybody that leaves everything for me, that I'm going to give it back to them 100 times. And then he told them what I'm going to give back to them 100 times. I'm going to give them, he said, houses and land and property and mothers and sisters and brothers. And then he said, and the first are going to be last and the last are going to be first. You talking about you sold out for me? To sell out for me means that it, y'all, it, com it comes with resources, comes with salvation relationship come with salvation and a reversal comes with salvation. When you and I sell out for Jesus, and I'm a living witness about this, when you and I sell out for Jesus, when we make Jesus, when we take whatever was number one in our life and move it out of the way and put Jesus number one, resources come with that. Jesus, I'm gonna give you houses and land and pro relationships come with that. Why you think in the body of Christ, we say uh, brother Johnson and sister Johnson and mothers and th this is my father in the man because we get relationship come with that. And then of course, a reversal. Jesus said, when you sell out for me, the victory that's tied with salvation, the victory tied with eternal life, it is relationship, it is resource, but it's also a great reversal, a great reversal. Yes, the first are gonna be last and the last are gonna be first. He said, when you look in this ungodly world with all of this inequality, with, with all of this systemic racism, with, with sexism and ageism, when you look at this, this overpopulated prisons and the policing that is so ungodly in the United States of America. He says, when you see all of this, when you see all that lying and cheating and corruption with people that hold high ranking government offices, Jesus said, it looks like they're winning. It looks like they're first. He said, but with eternal life, when you sell out for me, the first are gonna be last. And that those, it seemed like you last, you sold out for Jesus. You lost your job, lost your employment, you lost your company, your relationships 
This pandemic is putting a stress on that. You lost your health. You lost your, your savings. You had to go into all of that. And it looks like you're last. But Jesus said, because you sold out for me, the last are going to be first. Jesus says, I'm going to turn it around. That's what I'm waiting. People say, well, it's going to always be like that. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, I'm going to turn it around. And I'm just waiting on the Lord to turn it around. I'm trusting God to turn it around. I'm believing God is going to turn it around. Whatever it looks like now, Jesus made me a promise that if you sell out to me, Jeffrey Johnson, I'm going to bring a reversal. The first are going to be last. The last are going to be first. I'm turning it around in your life. Let me close it like this. This was in 2016 in Brazil at the Olympics. The, the women's, um, the USA women's four by 100 relay team uh, was, was uh, trying to get to the medal round. So it was the, the heat before the medal round. And so of course you got to do well in order to get to that, that medal round. And, and they had four of the, the world-class runners that was on that U.S. women's team, the four by four, four by 100 relay. And they took off and they were doing good until Allison Felix was trying to pass the baton uh, to English Gardner. And as she tried to pass the baton to English Gardner, they dropped the baton. I don't know if you know anything about track and field, but when you're at that level and you drop the baton, you're disqualified. So here they were one of the best relay teams in the Olympics, but they dropped the baton. They're disqualified. Not only do they not go to the medal round, they're last. You're in last place because you disqualified and you dropped the baton. And what ended up happening with all of that frustration is the United States appealed that disqualification. And they went back and, and they challenged it, asked them to look at it again. Come to find out that Allison Felix was bumped into by another runner. And when she got bumped in, when they came over her lane and bumped into her, that is not a disqualification for the United States women's relay team. So they gave them a chance to run again, but they weren't gonna bring all of those nations and all those runners out to run again. So the USA women's four by 100, they had to run, but there was nobody else on the track. They were racing against time. They had to beat a certain time to go to the medal round. And of course they did beat that time. And only did they beat that time, they went to the medal round. And that's when Jamaica and Germany and those state, those were some great teams. But the United States women's team won the gold medal. And when they won that gold medal, they standing there with the United States flag behind them. They got a big, that, that's a big change from when you were crying because you dropped the baton and got disqualified to now a big smile on your face with your gold medals. That's because there was a reversal that they were last. But when they looked at it again, that's when they had a rerun. And that's when they went on and now they're first. Jesus says, it may look bad now. It looks like you're last. But because you sold out for me, I'm going to turn that. I'm not just giving you resources. I'm not just giving you a relationship. I'm going to give you a reversal. I'm going to turn it around. And the last are going to be first. And the first are going to be last because you sold out for Jesus. And I'll close like this because um, uh, Bishop Hezekiah Walker, he got a play on words. He got a song called Sold Out, but it's a play on words. I preached about S-O-L-D, sold out. He preaches about S-O-U-L, I am sold out. He says, 
My, my heart is fixed. My mind is made up. No rooms, no vacancies. I'm all filled up. The spirit lives inside of me. And that's the reason I'm sold out. Yes, I'm sold out. And that's all I'm trying to say. Get your mind fixed. Get your heart right. Let the Holy Spirit come in and feel you so you can testify. I have no room. I have no vacancies because the spirit lives in me. And that's the reason I'm sold out. And when you sell out, I don't care how bad it looks for you now. When you sell out for Jesus, he's going to turn that whole thing around for you and give you the victory that comes with eternal life. And I want to give you a chance to do that right now. I'm going to give you a chance to sell out for the Lord. You can't get eternal life working on your own, under your own strength. Jesus said, salvation is impossible with men and women, but all things are possible with God. And the Lord made salvation possible through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And when you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart God raised Jesus from the dead, you can be saved right now. So I want you to sell out for the Lord. I want whatever has that number one place in your heart, we can take that out and we're going to put Jesus in there. And we're going to do that by having you call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says when you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. I'm going to lead you in prayer. I'm going to pray out loud. I want you to repeat after me in the prayer. I'm going to have you call on the Lord in the prayer. And he promised that he's going to give you the victory that comes with eternal life. You're getting ready to be saved right now.